Blog Talk Radio.
Greetings, this is Abayomi Azikawe, and welcome back to another edition of the Pan-African Journal. The Pan-African Journal is an audio news magazine. It's brought to you here on a weekly basis. Uh, I am your host, uh, Abayomi Azikawe. Today is Friday, uh, November 3rd, uh, 2023. Uh, We're broadcasting from our studios in downtown Detroit. Later on, we'll be bringing you our regular Pan-African Newswire report. We'll have dispatches on the recent developments in the siege on Gaza. Later, uh, we will review the speech uh, by Lebanon resistance leader Sheikh Hassan Nasrallah and the role of regional forces in the ongoing war against Palestine. Later in the program, we listen to an analysis of the events over the last four weeks uh, in West Asia. These and other features will be brought to you uh, during the course of our program. Stay tuned. Uh, we're going to, uh, right now, listen uh, to our musical interlude uh, featuring Um Kaltum and her orchestra singing uh, in a concert in uh, the North African state of Tunisia in May of 1968. This is an opera entitled El Atlao. Let's listen in.
Oh, my God. 
Welcome back, and uh, that was uh, Um Kaltum and her orchestra, 
performing live uh, in uh, the North African state of Tunisia. Uh, that was a concert uh, recorded in 1968. And uh, we're going to move uh, right now uh, into our Pan-African Newswire segment of our program. You're listening to the Pan-African Journal, worldwide radio broadcast, this special edition for Friday, November 3rd, uh, 2023. And, of course, uh, our lead story uh, deals uh, with the ongoing siege of Gaza and the escalating uh, security and political situation uh, in uh, West Asia and North Africa. Uh, we uh, have been covering uh, these developments uh, over the last four weeks. And according uh, uh, to uh, Al Mahadeen, uh website, the resistance has confronted occupation forces targeting tens of armored vehicles on multiple axes in the south and north of the Gaza Strip. On the 28th day of the Palestinian resistance defense of the Gaza Strip, fighters eliminated multiple uh, Israeli occupation soldiers from point-blank range and destroyed several armored vehicles on axes of engagement. Uh, thermal bark rockets propelled uh, charged uh, have seen more action as resistance fighters target Israeli occupation forces positions who have taken residential buildings uh, in the northern Gaza Strip as hiding places. The TBG-7 uh, charges are intended uh, to target infantry forces on the battlefield. Uh, thermal bark charges are intended to disperse an amount of fuel in a limited area upon impact. That quickly ignites to form a scorching cloud of extreme heat and pressure. Such charges are much more energetic uh, than other conventional explosives of equal weight. And in other developments, uh, at 7 a.m. Uh, local time this morning, the Al Qasim Brigade fighters uh, surprised an occupation force to the northwest of the Bet Lahia in the northern Gaza Strip, killing four soldiers from point blank range. Al Qasim Brigade fighters uh, dealt direct hits to an Israeli uh, Merkaba tank uh, after firing four Al Yassin 105 millimeters tandems charges at it. Resistance fighters are targeted, uh, have also targeted uh, three Israeli armored vehicles on the northwestern axis with uh, Al Yassin charges. Uh, mortar units targeted uh, Israeli armored vehicles to the west of the Erez military site. An Al Qasim sniper incapacitates an occupation soldier to the north of the Bet Anun. Fighters launched five uh, thermobaric uh, charges at the Israeli occupation forces soldiers uh, positioned in a building to the north of Bet Hanun. At noon, Al-Qasim fighters led a surprise attack on an infantry force to the west of Erez. Another Israeli occupation armored vehicle was targeted uh, with an Al Yassin charge to the north of the Biet Lahia. A thermobaric charge was launched at another fortified building to the west of the Biet Lahia. Mortar units also shelled a convoy of armored vehicles in Arez. El Qasim brigades engaged occupation forces to the east of Khan Yunus. Now, the Al Quds brigades. Uh, these brigades, special forces, engaged Israeli occupation forces uh, earlier this morning at Nan, to the east of Khan Yunus, uh, to the northwest of Gaza, and east of Jabalia. 
Fighters uh, planted and detonated uh, improvised explosive devices on two armored vehicles. Al-Quds brigades uh, said that its fighters dealt confirmed casualties among enemy lines after engaging them on several axes uh, from point-blank range. At 1 p.m., uh, rocket artillery was fired on Israeli military bases and sites in Sufa, Holit, and near Yashak, located in the south of the Gaza envelope. Brigades uh, later announced that they uh, monitored an Israeli helicopter flying out of the Sufa military site, indicating that casualties were recorded. At 2.01 p.m. local time, mortar units targeted a convoy of armored vehicles near the Al-Khalidi Mosque in western Gaza. Special forces confronted infiltrating forces to the east of Khan Yunus in the southern Gaza Strip. The Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine National Resistance Brigades targeted the Israeli occupation forces to the south of Gaza City. The group also targeted Sufa uh, with 120 millimeters mortar shells uh, during the afternoon. Al Mujahideen Brigades and mortars units targeted groupings of occupation forces to the southwest of Gaza City. Al Mujahideen Brigades uh, also announced that they engaged occupation forces using anti-tank guided missiles, RPGs, and mortars. Now, earlier in the day, the Israeli military command announced that four of its troops were killed in the northern Gaza Strip. The four dead uh, Israeli occupation forces soldiers belonged to the 401st Brigade and the 460th Brigade under the Occupation Armored Corps. Al-Mahadeen, a correspondent, confirmed that the commander of the 52nd Battalion belonging to the 401st Brigade was killed in confrontations north of the Gaza Strip. The Israeli occupation forces admits to have lost uh, 241 soldiers uh, who are being held captive in Gaza and that the number is subject to change every day. Abu Abedi, the military spokesperson for the Al-Qasim Brigades, confirmed uh, that the number of Israeli casualties is much larger than what has been officially announced, adding that the resistance has destroyed what amounts to a brigade of armored vehicles in Gaza. The resistance uh, will continue to blow heavy blows to the Israeli occupation forces as valiant fighters defend their homeland in stark resistance to a Western Israeli war on Palestine. And uh, you're listening to uh, the Pan-African Newswire segment of uh, the Pan-African Journal. I'm your host, uh, Abayomi Azikawe. And according to a statement uh, by the United Nations experts, the targeting of the Jabalia refugee camp is not only in violation of international law, but also a war crime. According uh, to a statement by UN experts, the targeting of Jabalia refugee camp is not only in violation of the international law, but also it is a war crime. The Palestinian Health Ministry revealed in its latest report that the number of martyrs in the ongoing Israeli crimes across Palestine exceeded 9,000, including 3,700 children, 2,326 women, and 32,000 people injured from various uh, wounds. And uh, the Palestinian resistance fighters convey in a message to their brothers in Hezbollah and Lebanon that they shall come out victorious uh, in the epic battle and expose the fragility of the Israeli army. In a heartfelt uh, message, 
delivered uh, from the heart of Palestine amid the wreckage and dust of relentless battles. The Islamic resistance in Palestine has responded to a message delivered to them earlier by the Islamic resistance in Lebanon, Hezbollah, acknowledging their solidarity and a shared commitment to the fight for Al-Quds. And uh, we're going to have uh, later on uh, the full address uh, by Sheikh Hassan Nasrallah uh, that was delivered uh, earlier today in Lebanon. That's going to conclude the Pan-African Newswire segment of our program. We'd like to remind our listeners that the Pan-African Newswire is an international electronic press service. It is designed to foster intelligent discussions on the affairs of African people throughout the continent and the world. The press agency was founded in January of 1998. Since then, it has published tens of thousands of articles and dispatches in hundreds of newspapers, magazines, journals, research reports, and on blogs and websites throughout the world. The Pan-African Newswire represents the only daily international news source on Pan-African and global affairs. If you'd like to log on to uh, the Pan-African Newswire so you can stay abreast of some of the most pressing and burning issues of the day, just go to our website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. That's panafricannews.blogspot.com. Also, if you'd like to have access to today's uh, Pan-African Journal, the special worldwide radio broadcast, uh, just go uh, to the Pan-African Radio Network. That's at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll be back uh, with more of our program for this week. Come on, 
the legendary Carla Thomas uh, from Memphis, uh, Tennessee, uh, with the track entitled No Time to Lose. And there is no time to lose uh, in this era of imperialist war and the worldwide struggle to end imperialist war. Right now, we're going to listen to a speech uh, delivered earlier today uh, by the Secretary General of the Hezbollah Resistance Movement in Lebanon, Sheikh Hassan Nasrallah. Let's listen uh, to his address. Order. And these civilian cars, they're, they're very much uh, clear that they only have civilians inside them with their belongings. Yumna, as you're speaking, we're showing a still shot of the aftermath on, on that road, Al-Rashid Road. It's difficult for us, of course, to show the entirety. All right, now we're going to have to go to Hassan Nasrallah, the leader of Hezbollah. He's speaking. Let's listen in. The celebration, as we, as we celebrate our fallen martyr, as we gather today, to honor the memory of our fallen martyrs and renew our pledge to continue onto their path. Today we honor the memory of the fallen martyrs, the martyrs of the Islamic resistance in Lebanon, Hezbollah, the martyrs of the Lebanese factions fighting and resisting against the Israeli occupation, the fallen martyrs of Al-Qassam in Lebanon, Al-Quds Brigade martyrs in Lebanon, together with all the fallen civilian martyrs who were murdered at the hands of the Zionists, including journalists. I start by offering my deep, deepest condolences to the families of the fallen here in Lebanon. We offer our condolences and at the same time congratulate you as your loved ones have won this honor, the honor of martyrdom. Many of you have lost loved ones, a father, a brother or a son, and I pray to God Almighty to accept all our good deeds. We offer condolences and congratulations at the same time to all the families of the fallen martyrs in Gaza Strip, West Bank, and on every inch where our brave martyrs have fallen, including those of Al-Aqsa Typhoon or Al-Aqsa Floods that has extended on a number of fighting fronts. I will not delve much on this as we will celebrate the Martyrs' Day in a few days' time. However, I must reiterate that those fallen martyrs have won, and it is sufficient to go to our Holy Scripture, the Quran, to read what God Almighty said 
about them. And we are entitled to take pride in them. And we must remain firmly with certainty that they are rewarded with paradise, with all the rewards you never envisaged her or heard of. As God says in the Holy Scripture, those killed in the cause to the service of the cause of God will be rewarded with paradise as introduced to them. O oh, believers, if you support and work for God's cause, you will be rewarded with victory. The same in Al-Amran Surat. Do not think those fallen to the service of cause of God are dead, yet they are alive, joyful with what they were, have been rewarded with, without fear or grief. Abiding in God's blessings that their good deeds were not wasted. So the, our fallen martyrs are not dead. Uh, they are alive, not in the judgment day where all the human beings will be resurrected. No, those fallen martyrs are now alive in God's paradise. Do not think they are dead. Dead. They are alive, but you feel not them. We congratulate all the fallen martyrs, the fighters, the civilians, the aggrieved, women, men, children, old and young. We congratulate them for this massive transition at the presence of God, paradise where there is no Israeli oppression or American hubris, no killing, no massacres, no pogroms, and from this firm conviction, we congratulate them and to their families we say, your loved ones have fallen in a battle on the face of the earth. And if we are to look for a fully legitimate lawful battle from the legal, ethical or religious perspectives, we cannot find one, but that battle fighting against the Zionist occupiers. This is a seamless battle at the human ethical or religious levels. It is the most evident, the most honest, and the most noble to the service of the cause of God. This what must be established in the first place. We also say to the relatives of the fallen martyrs, we are proud of you. We take all pride in you.
We have heard your statements of acceptance, submission for the fall of your loved ones. And here lies our true strength before the arms. Our true strength lies in our firm belief, unshaken conviction, our devotion and commitment to the cause. We are prepared to sacrifice. It is expressed in the voices of the fathers, mothers, wives and children of the fallen martyrs. Equally enough, we salute the epic people, unmatched, unrivaled, the people of Palestine, the people of Gaza. We have seen them on TV screens. Man, woman, child, baby, crawling from underneath the rubble, yet he cries out saying, all what is lost is to sacrifice for the sake of our homeland, for the sake of our cause. We cannot put this into words. We cannot express their fortitude, bravery, patience, and resolve. The same applies to the residents of West Bank, patience, fortitude, and resolve. Ladies and gentlemen, today I will address you on the main topic in order to understand what happened and to make clear of our position and also identify the liabilities and taking into consideration the Lebanese affairs, which will require further details at a later point of time. At the beginning, we must also salute all those who took to the street in support and in solidarity with the Palestinians from all over the world, Arab and Muslim and Latin American countries, the peoples of different nations, specifically the strong and brave Iraqi and Yemeni arms who are now involved in this holy war. Why have we reached that point and what is the backdrop of what happened in October 7, Al-Aqsa Typhoon Operation? I will address bullet points in brief. It must be mentioned in order to build up our stand. The pain and suffering of the Palestinian people is not a secret to the whole world. 
and there is no point to delve in this. Yet, the recent years were harsh, especially with this radical, stupid, and brutal government of Israel. There are four main headlines on the Palestinian landscape. The first is the Palestinian detainees, thousands of Palestinian men and women and even children are held behind Israeli bars, some for years. Many are on the verge of death and no one is moving a finger and with this radical government this stupid minister made the lives of the detainees and their families even worse the second issue is Al-Quds, Al-Aqsa Mosque, and what has been happening in the past weeks, namely the few days before Al-Aqsa Typhoon. These conditions were unprecedented since the occupation of Jerusalem in 1967. Third, the unjust siege laid to Gaza for more than 20 years, almost 20 years, more than 2 million people living in an open concentration camp without any person moving a finger in the whole world. The fourth one is the recent perils and risks hovering on the West Bank through the expansive illegal Israeli settlement under the auspices of this stupid fool government, in addition to the daily detention and demolition of home. These are the key four headlines that have impacted the Palestinian and the Palestinian resistance. And no one in the whole world is moving a finger. The United Nations, Security Council, Organization of Islamic Cooperation, League of Arab States, European Union, none, none of the international blocs or organizations. On the contrary, the Palestinian cause and all what is happening in Palestine were totally forgotten. The whole world turned a blind eye to them, totally abandoned, totally forgotten. In contrast, the policies of the enemy are more ferocious, oppressive, humiliating. Therefore, there must be a big event to shake this oppressive occupier, occupying, usurping Zionist regime with their backers in Washington and London and to reopen these humanitarian issues before the eyes of the whole world and to resurface the Palestinian cause, the just cause, as the focal cause to the whole world. Then came that glorious jihadi operation of October 7th, Al-Aqsa Typhoon. 
The operation was triggered by the fighters of Izzuddin al-Qassam, supported by the fighters of other Palestinian resistance factions in Gaza Strip. This operation, so this is the first point in the backdrop of the event. This glorious, blessed, large-scale operation was 100% Palestinian in terms of decision and execution, 100% Palestinian. Even the, the Palestinians have kept it secret, even from their fellow Palestinian resistance factions in Gaza, let alone other resistance factions across the resistance axis. That element of secrecy was a linchpin to this emphatic success of the operation. It came as a surprise, shocking surprise, unlike what is assumed by many, namely those who would like to drive a wedge among us unlike to what's been assumed by many. That type of confidentiality and secrecy adopted by Al-Qassam did not anger us here. It was a requirement for the success of the operation. And this operation has no bearing on any decision or move to be taken by any other faction along the resistance axis. This move taken by Hamas have stamped the true identity of the battle and also precluded all the enemies and hypocrites to claim, to raise any false claims, especially when they speak about the relations between the resistance, regional resistance factions. At any point of time when there is a battle, they start to speak about the Iranian nuclear program, the U.S.-Iran negotiations to serve the Iranian interests or agenda in the region. False claims. Yet, Al-Aqsa Typhoon was 100% Palestinian in terms of decision and execution. The secrecy in which the entire operation was shrouded proves that it is a totally Palestinian cause for the sake of Palestine and the people of Palestine, and it has no relation at all to any international or regional issue. This operation also proves what we have been reiterating over the past years. Let the foe and friend understand. Let it be understood by all enemies and, uh, and friends that the decisions of the resistance factions 
is in the hands of their own leader. Since the Iranian revolution from Khomeini to Khamenei have always been openly adopting and supporting resistance factions in Lebanon, Palestine, and in the region. However, they do not exercise any form of authority or mandate on these factions or in their command. And what happened with the Al-Aqsa Typhoon proves this fact. And those who are willing to interpret what is taking place today and what's going to take place in the future, that the true decision makers are the leaders of the resistance themselves to the service of their top and true cause. Ladies and gentlemen, the third issue I would like to speak about the repercussions of this event. What's been happening on the battlefield, I believe you are all closely following. No doubt, it was a brave, heroic, creative, perfect, massive operation, commended at all fronts and at all levels. What are the repercussions of this glorious operation? It caused a seismic shake, an earthquake in terms of security, military, politics, diplomatic, even psychological. It has very profound strategic existential repercussions that will continue to have bearing on the presence of this Zionist entity and its future. No matter what the enemy's government has done over the past days, and no matter what they will do over the coming days, cannot change the impacts and repercussions of Al-Aqsa Typhoon strategically and historically on this Zionist entity and the future of the conflict in this region. This operation has lifted the lid and uncovered many facts. However, speaking of the repercussions, the glorious repercussions and effects of this glorious operation requires hours, if not days. However, what's more important, it has exposed the frailty, weakness, and total fragility of Israel, more frail than a spider's web. I have read some reports on the Israeli media that the Israelis themselves have come now to believe, have come to believe more than someone, meaning myself. The Israelis have come to believe that Israel is more frail than a spider's web.
This fact was established and cemented by Al-Aqsa Typhoon operation. The United States administration, represented in their president, ministers, state secretaries, and even top press to support this shaking entity in order to get some breathe, get back on its feet again, and to restore some action and to take the initiative, which he has until now, and the had to provide all forms of protection and support. The swift response by the United States to support and back Israel has proven how failing Israel is from the very first days of Al-Aqsa Typhoon operation against a totally besieged Gaza Strip. The Israeli government was in a dire need for the U.S. fleet to navigate to the Mediterranean for military and psychological support. Where is your fleet? Where is your warplanes? Where is the invincible army of Israel, the mightiest in the region. Where is all that? The United States hurriedly dispatched warplane carriers and other pieces of their naval fleet. The U.S. top press generals, military experts running to the area to open the strategic weapon depots for the Israelis. From the very first days, Israel demanded new weapons, new missiles from the United States. From the very day, first day, Israel demanded $10 billion. Is it a strong state? Is it an invincible army? as claimed, a state that requires that amount of U.S. and Western support, heads of state, heads of governments, defense ministers, top brass generals flocking from all over the world to provide moral support. This is what Al-Aqsa Typhoon has caused to this frail entity. These are some of the profound impacts of Al-Aqsa Typhoon operation. All these must be evaluated and analyzed in detail, which we don't have time to. Yet, we must understand that all the sacrifices offered in Gaza West Bank and at all fronts are really worthy. All these sacrifices, all these achievements, outcomes, and repercussions deserve all these sacrifices simply for the reason that it paved a way for a new slate in our conflict with the Israeli enemy.
It paved the way for many countries and nations within the region. There was and there is no other option. The other option is silence, waiting for more oppression, more siege, more death, more killing. This was the other option. That's why we can say that the decision was wise, brave, prudent, and worthy of all these sacrifices. The next point, how was the enemy's response to Al-Aqsa Typhoon operation? From the very first hours, it was clear that the enemy was lost, stray. You know, it's a Sabbath day, and uh, this was a perfect timing by the commander of Al-Qassam. It seems that they have had a long night, drunkards, not only in Gaza envelope, but also Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. It took them hours to come out. They came out in historical state, angry, in an insane fashion. That's why when they had it to recapture the settlement within Gaza envelope, they perpetrated massacres against the Israeli settlers, not Hamas. Now we start to hear and read reports and investigations providing evidence that it was the Israelis who perpetrated the killing among the Israeli settlers. And in the near future, when the dust settles, the whole world would come to know that all those killed within Gaza envelope were killed by the Israeli army itself, who was acting insanely. In the wake of this big seismic event, it seems that the successive government of Israel do not learn the lesson. Unlike we always hear that Israel is learning the lesson, here they are. They never learn from past lessons or experiences. Especially their experiment or experience with their wars against resistance factions in Lebanon and Palestine. What is taking place today took place in the past with some differences in July 2006 in the successive wars with Gaza with, at a different scale and different levels. Among the gravest mistakes committed by the enemy in the past, and it is taking place now, is setting high goals that they cannot achieve.
setting high goals they cannot reach. They set as top goal to annihilate Hamas, the whole of Hamas. Then, speaking of toppling the government of Hamas, then eliminating the leaders of Hamas, then the military wing of Hamas. Now, they are claiming to have as the top goal to annihilate Hamas. And when they started to wake up, we now speak about another goal to bring home the captives. Those who have had a long experience with different resistance factions in Palestine and Lebanon throughout history, have you seen any, at any point of time, the Israelis capable of releasing their captives without negotiations? Never. What happened in Lebanon 2006? They declared as the goal is to annihilate, to wipe out Hezbollah. They were backed by the United States and the whole West, including Arab states. The goal at that time was to wipe out Hezbollah from Lebanon and to bring home the two Israeli captives. The war extended for 33 days. Neither Hezbollah was wiped out, nor their two captives released without negotiations. The same thing is taking place today in Gaza, yet with a difference, and the difference is the massive pogrom, the massive amount of destructions and killing. In July war, 1,150 houses level, thousands of fallen martyrs, yet the resistance fighters at all fronts, backed by the Lebanese people, stood their ground. The enemy, step by step, gave up on his goals. What's taking place in Gaza Strip today proves the stupidity and impotency of the Israelis. They are wreaking killing among civilian Palestinians in Gaza. Most of those killed are women and children. The majority of the victims are civilians. Churches, mosques, school buildings, even hospitals are not spared. Everything is legitimized. Entire neighborhoods are wiped out. School buildings, places of worship, and the whole world is standing by watching. Does this require an invincible army? For a whole month, the Israelis failed to produce a single military achievement. And when they started the ground operation, the same scenario of July war in Lebanon, the random shelling, displacement of citizens, and the killing 
and the falling of thousands of martyrs could not bring the resistance to their knees. Then, at that time, the Israelis started their ground operation, and to them, our fighters stood up to them, and the whole battle was followed by the whole world. The same thing is repeated in Gaza. The Israelis are trying to launch a ground operation in order to sell to the whole world that they are launching a large-scale ground operation. Even the limited moves taken by them were met by the bravery uh, of the Palestinian resistance. We have all watched this resistance fighter approaching and placing the exoplacive on the top of the tank. How do you think the Israeli troops will be able to fight amongst those brave fighters? Nothing but confusion fear and frailty what the Israelis are good at over the past 75 years is nothing but perpetrating pogroms massacres with the aim of exercising pressure on the leaders of the resistance to wave the white flag and I believe the scenes we have been witnessing every day, every hour, every minute, women, men, children crawling from underneath the rebel, rubble, crying out and saying, we are holding our ground, we are standing tall, the end of this battle will be nothing but your defeat. By killing innocent civilians, you will not achieve anything. All what's taking place in Gaza Strip, seen by the whole world, reveals and proves once again the brutal, barbaric nature of the Zionist regime of Israel, the usurping, occupying force that was planted in our region in Palestine on the grounds of the ill-fated Balfour Declaration to feed on wars in the region. Targeting Palestine and the Palestinian people followed by the Egyptians, Lebanese and all the peoples of the region. After all these long years, as they tried to convince the whole world that this entity is a state of rule of law, humanity, democracy, this is all proven false. We have witnessed victims, men and women, innocent civilians, that children 
of Gaza have unmasked the truth of this barbaric regime backed by the Western media who are trying to convince our peoples to remain silent or even normalize with the Zionist entity. This also reveals the direct responsibility and liability of the United States. Also, the U.S. hypocrisy. From day one, Biden claims to have spoken to the Israelis about human, humanitarian issues, civilians, all false claims. For a month, Gaza and the Gazans have been reeling under the brunt of barbaric ferocious, brutal, ruthless, merciless aerial bombardment. They falsely claimed that Hamas beheaded babies and they failed to produce a single piece of evidence. Yet they remain silent among, against the images of thousands of babies and children torn apart in Gaza as a result of the Israeli missiles. Now all exposed, the whole West claiming and preaching about democracy, humanity, rule of law, it's nothing but hypocrisy. It is a lynch law. We are living in a jungle. We all must establish this fact. The United States is totally responsible for the war raging in Gaza against unarmed, defenseless people. It is the United States that vetoes condemnation of Israel in the Security Council. It is the United States that stands on the way of a ceasefire in Gaza. It is the United States proving once again, as described by Khomeini, it is the greatest Satan, the great devil from Hiroshima to Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, Palestine, the United States must be held liable and then penalized for all what, has been, what it has been perpetrating against our people and the peoples of the region. And there comes the decision by the Islamic resistance movement in Iraq to launch offenses against the American bases in Iraq and Syria, considering that the United States is controlling the war in Gaza, and it is the United States that must pay the price for the crimes perpetrated by the Israelis in Gaza and by the Americans in Iraq and elsewhere. It is a wise decision by the resistance fighters in Iraq, prudent, blissful, and wise decision. Yesterday also we heard about new measures against the occupied Palestinian territories and this will be revealed on the coming days and hours and here we salute all those noble men, noble fighters who are lending a helping hand to their fellow resistance fighters.
Ladies and gentlemen, it is the duty of every free nobleman in this world to establish and reiterate these facts in the public opinion warfare led by the Western media that is falsifying and misinforming the public. We started to see the public opinion shifting as the whole world witnessed women, defenseless women and children torn apart. This is the least we can do in this battle, the battle of right against false, the battle against ferociousness, brutality and barbarism represented by the United States and Israel. Supporting Gaza and the Gazans is the least humane requirement. Those who took out to the street in support, who rally, those who donate, let alone those who fight, are under the duty towards Gaza and Gazans. Those who remain silent must reconsider about their faith if they claim to be religious and their honor if they claim to be honorable. Each and every one, all and each, must live up to his own responsibility. Speaking of which, in 1948, when the whole world abandoned the Palestinian people, this Zionist entity came to existence and pushed, and the people of Palestine and the peoples of the region have paid the price of the establishment of this Zionist regime. Not only the Palestinians, the Egyptians, the Syrians, the Jordanians, Lebanese have also paid the price. Lebanon has taken a bigger toll as a result of the existence of this usurping, occupying Zionist regime. This is an established fact. And again, today, what is taking place in Gaza is not a war like the others. It is not a battle like those of the past. It is not an event like those of the past. It is a decisive battle, historical one. What is after this battle is never like what is before. This dictates that each and one shouldered his own responsibility. Speaking of which, we must set the near-term goals, which we should all work to achieve. The first, the first goal we should work for day and night is to end the war on Gaza. The second one is to enable Gaza, the resistance fight in Gaza, and particularly Hamas, to triumph. These are the two short-term goals. We should not lose sight of these two goals. The first, to cease the war, cease the aggression 
the, on the grounds of humanitarian, ethical, religious, lawful gr grounds, which are unquestionable. The second one is to the interest of everyone. It is to the interest of the Palestinian in the first place. It is the, to the interest also as some are misinforming the public. Some are claiming that if Gaza triumph means that Iran will triumph. If Gaza triumphs, it means that Muslim Brotherhood will triumph. This is false. The victory of Gaza means the victory of the Palestinian people, the victory of the Palestinian detainees, the Church of Holy Sepulchre, as well as Al-Aqsa Mosque. It is a triumph to all the peoples of the region. There is no time to delve in details, yet it is sufficient to indicate that the victory of Gaza is to the interest of Egypt. It is to the interest of Jordan, it is to the interest of Syria, and before all that, it is a national patriotic interest of Lebanon. And I believe this has been demonstrated enough over the past days. What if the opposite? What if Israel triumphs? What if resistance is defeated? What are the repercussions of the regional states on Palestine and on Lebanon in terms of security, politics, grassroots, popular level, and demographic level? Now, Israel is throwing threats to Lebanon and the Lebanese people. They are sinking in Gazan sands, yet darting threats against Lebanon and Lebanese. Using what? The blood of Gazan women and children by the destruction of mosques and churches in Gaza. Speaking of responsibility, it is the responsibility of every free nobleman in this world. Everyone, all and each, should shoulder his own. Arab and Muslim states must spare no effort to at least put an end to the war. If you are prevented from acting, listen to your religion, your conscience, your values. You should all work for the top prime goal to end. Condemnation statements are not enough. Civil relations. Recall ambassadors. We cannot condemn at the same time supply gas, oil, and food supplies to Israel. Regretfully enough, in the past wars, the Arab and Muslim states calling for cutting off oil supplies to the United States. Now, we are calling on the Arab and Muslim states to cut off oil and gas and food supplies from Israel. Stop your exports to Israel. I have read some 
reports coming from Israel satirically saying that 22 Arab and Muslim states cannot deliver a single truck of supplies to Gaza or allow the departure of a single patient. Look how weak, impotent we are. Gazans are telling the whole Arab and Muslim countries, we are not asking for your arms, weapons, or fighters, but do you not have the least of honor or dignity to deliver some aid, presidents, scholars, ministers, many high-level and top-notch officials, aren't they capable of going themselves, staging sit-in on the borderline with Gaza? They can. They can turn the borderline as a platform to address the whole world. Here, I do not wish to f label others as traitors or whatever, yet. We should not fall in despair. We should continue to call on our brothers. We should continue to place responsibility on the responsible, hoping at a point of time the whole humanity will listen to the sound of reason and their conscience may wake up. The Islamic resistance in Iraq started to shoulder its responsibility towards what's going on. They announced that they are going to engage into new measures. Our honorable brothers in Yemen, Ansarullah, the Yemeni people, the Yemeni army, the patient, brave, Yemeni people against all the threats, Western and American, took a number of initiatives, launched drones and missiles, even if dropped at the end of the day, they will reach and they will hit their targets. They will reach Elad, the south of Palestine, the Israeli army bases to the south of Israel. We salute our fellow resistance fighters, yet on our Lebanese front. Some claim that we are about to engage in the war. I'm telling you, we have been engaged in this battle since October the 8th. We have been in this battle since October the 8th. The Islamic resistance in Lebanon started operation the very next day 
after Al-Aqsa Typhoon, we had no knowledge, honestly speaking, like any other party of the world. We moved into a second phase. The very following day, operations were launched from Sheba Farms and the other surrounding hills, then extended all across the borderline with the occupied Palestine. You have and are still closely monitoring the details about the daily operations. What's taking place on our front is very important and significant. Those who claim that Hezbollah should engage swiftly on an all-out war with the enemy might see what's taking place on the border as minimal. But if we look at what's taking place on our border objectively, we will find it sizable. Yet I assure you, this will not be the end. This will not be sufficient. What's taking place on our Lebanese front, it is on one hand unprecedented since 1948, the creation of this Zionist entity and the presence of Israeli posts on our borders and since the illegal occupation settlements on the north of the occupied Palestine on the borderline with Lebanon. Since October 8th, what's taking place since then is unprecedented since then, that all the Israeli positions from the sea to the heights of Sheba Farms and Kafrishub to real under daily offensive operations, intensified operations targeting these posts and what's in between, tanks, armored vehicles, drones, clusters of personnel, and above all, technical installations, which are the eyes and ears of Israel. Since October 8th, the resistance in Lebanon is engaged in a true, genuine battle that can only be felt by those on the southern borderline. It is a true battle, different from all those in the past, separate from all those engaged by Lebanon, be it 2002 or 2006, totally distinct and different battle in terms of tools, tactics, strategies, weapons, tools, and even targets. That and a living proof to this fact is the number of our fallen martyrs who opted to remain on the forefront. On Saturday, the 7th, immediately after Al-Aqsa Typhoon operation, the Israeli army started to 
bring back or retreat regular personnel from the borderline. Let me explain what are the achievements. When we speak about fallen martyrs on the Lebanese front, almost 57 fallen martyrs, including those of the Lebanese brigades, together with the fallen martyrs from Al-Qassam and Saray Al-Quds brigades in Lebanon, let alone the civilians, that number and that blood, we should know what's been achieved in order to know how to move forward. On the borderline from October 7, the Israeli enemy started to pull out personnel from the borderline with Lebanon. Total moral collapse for Gaza and Gaza Strip that has been besieged for almost 20 years, very limited space. The Israeli army pulled out army personnel from West Bank, North occupied Palestine, and called them all towards the Gaza front. At the same time, they recalled or called the reservists. The operation that started, that started to escalate up to that of yesterday, all these operations force the Israeli enemy to maintain their personnel on the border lines with Lebanon. If not, deploy further reinforcement. Adding to that, the elite task force that was supposed to head towards Gaza front, they are now deployed on the Lebanese borderline. This means our operations on the borderline force the Israeli enemy to concentrate their personnel and forces and equipment on our borders which were supposed to deploy to Gaza. Some might claim that we are taking an adventure or gambling Yet, it is worthy. Please, you just imagine if we restrict our action to uh, rhetoric, statements of condemnation, then the Israeli enemy will deploy all its force towards Gaza. Now I have very exact figures of the total number of Israeli personnel Per, uh, arm units, machinery, equipment, weapons, yet I requested for a brief, easy to understand pieces of information. The Lebanese front is now forcing the Israelis to mass one-third of their entire army on our borderline. This is Number one, the majority of this uh, forces are the elite task force and regular personnel. Second, half of the Israeli naval capabilities are now anchored in uh, opposite Haifa. Third, 
one quarter of the Air Force is dedicated to Lebanon. Half of their air defenses, the Iron Dome, etc. Half of it, almost half of the air defenses is deployed around Lebanon. One third of their own logistics were deployed to Lebanon. These are valid, accurate, exact numbers. I'm giving you easy to understand figures. Secondly, the displacement of tens of thousands of illegal settlers and evacuations of tens of thousands of others. Forty-three illegal settlements were evacuated, and what is left now, nothing but army personnel, no more civilians. In the south, opposite Gaza, 58 illegal settlements were evacuated. All those evacuated from the south and north represent massive pressure economically, psychologically, and socially. And this will be a pressuring factor. A third issue, which is uh, of no less importance, that the operations on the Lebanese borderline and Shaba farms have given rise to a state of fear and panic among the Israeli leadership, political and military, similarly to the Americans, which we will talk about later. This concern or fear that further escalation or an all-out war will exacerbate on this front, or they fear that the northern occupied Palestine front, the Israeli army, will fall into an all-out war. This is a very likely possibility. The Israelis are taking this into consideration, and it is part of their calculations. And this is reflected in all the rhetoric and statements made by the American, European, and even some Arab heads of state. That state of uncertainty, fear, and panic among the leaders of the enemy serve in two purposes. One, it causes our enemy to calculate their moves towards Lebanon. And here we speak about deterrence. We speak about genuine fear on the part of Israel. If in only one single operation against an Israeli post or an Israeli tank or a cluster of persons on the borderline, they wouldn't have taken the bronze. Yet, today the Israelis are taking all these blows, adjusting and calculating their moves very meticulously, simply for fear of the future. So I reiterate, our presence on the front, our operations and readiness 
our daily operations on the front cause our enemy to remain fearful, hesitant, and in panic. We have heard many statements from their ministers speaking about banking upon the entire support provided by the U.S. and West to wage a war on Lebanon. I assure you, to the enemy, we say, if you think to assault Lebanon or take a preemptive strike against Lebanon, it will be the biggest act of fullness in the history of your existence. They think the Lebanese would fear of what they are witnessing taking place in Gaza. We have seen this since 1948 from Qana to Sabra and Shatla. On the contrary, the scenes we see in Gaza will turn us more resolved, more faithful, to remain steadfast, defiant in resistance and not to back or fall to our knees, no matter what the price is. The second most important issue through this state of panic and uncertainty. The enemy must calculate their moves while acting in Gaza, and they are. These are some of the results of our operations in the south of Lebanon let alone the amount of material and human losses suffered by the enemy over the past weeks. These operations in the south, the blood of our fallen martyrs and the sacrifices by the fellow fighters and our honest, noble men who remain in the south or those who are temporarily displaced they are all sacrificing to this battle that is worthy of each sacrifice it is an expression of our solidarity and support to Gaza and the Gaza by the noble blood of the fallen martyrs by Standing steadfast, we are doing all what we can to alleviate and lessen the pressure on them in, as the enemy is acting insanely, militarily and politically. Here we come to the most important point. Let the world know for weeks communication, pressures, even from day one, if you start any operation and if you open a front in the south, all these American fleets have come for you. You will be shelled by the U.S. war planes. This was been told to us 
on October 8th. And in some details, when some Palestinian resistance fighters infiltrated from Lebanon, Following the first operation by them, we received a threat that the U.S. warplanes will bombard Lebanon. I assure you, many resistance fighters have infiltrated and many will continue to infiltrate. The threats we receive will not change our position. Therefore, we started our operation on that front. And the future of this front, any escalation and any development of whatever nature are hinged, are hinged on two things, nothing more, the development of events in Gaza. It is the first factor, the development of events in Gaza. That's why this front will devolve according to the nature of development in Gaza and what is required. The second factor that is in play is the conduct and the demeanor of the Zionist enemy towards Lebanon. And here, once again, I warn you not to go further as many civilians have fallen as martyrs. And this will bring us to the same equation, a civilian for a civilian. Again, the demeanors of the enemy against Lebanon will be a factor in play. I am speaking openly, candidly, and at the same time with ambiguity, constructive ambiguity. All scenarios are open. All scenarios are open on our Lebanese southern front. I reiterate, all scenarios are open, all options are laid out, and we can adopt any at any point of time. We all together must be prepared, ready, and available to all these scenarios and options to come. To the Americans, the United States administration, I say, darting your threats on Lebanon and resistance in the region is pointless. Not the resistance movement or the resistance countries. It has reached a point that we received message that if you continue to launch operations in the south, it will not only bombard Lebanon, but will also bombard Iran. Can you imagine? To the Americans, I say, darting your threats on us in Lebanon will be pointless. Your naval fleets in the Mediterranean will not and cannot cause us to fear.
To you, I openly and candidly say that your fleet that you are using as a threat, we have prepared for them what it takes. You, the Americans, remember your defeats in Lebanon. Iraq, Afghanistan, and your humiliating withdrawal from Afghanistan. Those who defeated you in Lebanon at the early 80s are still alive, backed and supported by their children and grandchildren. If the U.S. and Western politics are calling for steering away from escalation, this cannot be achieved by threats against honest, noble resistance fighters defending the defense, defenseless. The only course is to end the war on Gaza. It, here they, they it is. Israel, your servant, you, the Americans, are capable of ending the aggression on Gaza because it is you that you started. If you wish to steer away from a regional war, you must hurriedly act towards ending the aggression on Gaza. You, the Americans, are fully aware if an all-out war is broken, your fleet will be of no good. Your aerial warplanes will be pointless. You will pay a heavy price by your interests, your fleet, and your personnel. Now, today, the whole world, in the name of these spilled blood, in the name of the defenseless civilians, in the name of churches, mosques, and hospitals, in the name of humanity, in the name of human values, virtues, the whole world is required to act genuinely and swiftly to end the Israeli aggression on Gaza. As the horizon is looming to our Palestinian, fellow Palestinian people and resistance fighters, I say, since the creation of the resistance fighter following the creation of the Israeli Zionist regime, we have been fighting a war of fortitude. We haven't reached a knockout victory. We still need time to be more realistic. We are winning victory by points, not knockout victory. This is what happened in 2000, 2002 and 2006 in Lebanon. And this is what happened 
by the Gazans and similarly by the resistance fighter in West Bank, Iraq and Afghanistan. Fortitude, patience, bravery. This is what we have and this is our strength. That is what the enemy lacks. This what the enemy wants. People, victims crawl from underneath the rubble and say, we all sacrifice to the service of the cause. Do you believe that this Israeli people that were collected from the corners of the world of diaspora, have you ever heard any of them saying that my blood, my beloved ones and my home, can be sacrificed for Israel? None. We should remain standing fast in resolve and fortitude to prevent the enemy from achieving its targets. We should all now work together to end the war and aggression on Gaza. Then we act for the resistance in Gaza to prevail. First of all, based on our firm conviction of the divine promise given to us by Almighty, the Omnipotent Allah, that we will win victory. This is a promise, a divine promise given by Almighty Allah, the Omnipotent, no matter what the sacrifice is, yet we should be deservedly worthy of it. And this is proven by our sacrifices and our blood. And personally speaking, and based on my personal experience with his Khamenei, who repeated more than one occasion that we all firmly believe in this divine promise, Gaza will triumph, Palestine will triumph, Palestine will prevail. He himself repeated the same words to us in July war when there was no victory looming in the, uh, in the horizon. And to our fellow brothers in Gaza despite all the sacrifice to all the Palestinian people all the resistance peoples of the region all those whose hearts are shaken by the blood of the children of Gaza our unity patience fortitude and sacrifice we offer in blood to the service of the cause of God will be rewarded by nothing but emphatic victory today as we honor and celebrate the memory of the foreign martyrs we will meet soon to celebrate the victory of Gaza and the Gazans and resistance fighters in Gaza. And may God's peace and blessings be upon you all. Welcome back. And that was... Um the speech delivered today uh, by the Hezbollah Secretary General, uh, Sheikh Hassan Nasrallah, who was delivered uh, in Lebanon. 
giving uh, Hezbollah's uh, view on the current uh, war and siege uh, with the genocidal onslaught of the Israeli Defense Forces backed by uh, United States imperialism. And uh, the speech uh, was historic, uh, recounting uh, the numerous uh, clashes and wars uh, fought between uh, the resistance forces in Lebanon and uh, the Israeli uh, settler colonial regime. You're listening to the Pan-African Journal, special worldwide radio broadcast uh, for Friday, November the 3rd, uh, 2023, and we're broadcasting from our studios uh, in uh, downtown Detroit. Uh, we'll take a break, and we'll be back with our concluding remarks uh, for today's program. Yeah. 
Thank you. 